Well, no, I asked for soy milk. Soy milk. Oh, oh, do you have almond? No, almond milk. I can't drink a bloody latte without almond milk. I, I know I said soy milk to begin with. You just told me there isn't any soy milk, so I'm asking for... Oh, oh. Okay. Low-fat soy milk. Okay, look, scratch that. Do you have tea? Hot tea? Yes. I wasn't aware there was any other tea. No, no, no almond milk. Just tea. Regular tea. Uh, no milk, no sugar. No cream. No, I don't want any cream on it, thank you. Yeah, love that in a mug, in a hot mug. Well, the mug isn't hot, but the liquid, the contents. Look, can you hurry up with this order? I'm trying to do a podcast here. I'm about to do the Yakuza, which is a 1974 movie uh, directed by Sidney Pollock and written by Paul Schrader. And I believe Robert Towns in there as well. Um, I haven't expanded the writer bit on IMDb yet. But this movie was not as good as I was hoping it would be. And again, I've had it on my list for years. But that Robert Mitchum, he that Calypso album, really put me off watching anything ever again from that guy. Um, and with the friends of Eddie Coyle, if you listen to that episode... Uh, where I misdiagnose a mafia scene. Um, he's good in that. He's like kind of a big wounded bear. In this one, he's still got that energy, that sort of... And I, I'm starting to think, he just doesn't give a shit. He's in the twilight of his Hollywood career. He's uh, obviously interested in developing his Calypso work as evidenced by his Calypso album which I like but also detest at the same time and um, yeah, he's sort of half asleep through this movie but it kind of works because he again he's this world weary private eye and he's not one of the bad guys in this movie he's actually on the good side um, and the plot was a little thick I wasn't really paying attention at the beginning um, because I was a little bit distracted by the credit sequence. Just the sheer uh, talent on display. I actually took a photo of it um, and sent it to somebody. Anyway, he's a private eye. Uh, I think he lived in Japan for a while. And he gets sent out there to help his friend who's in deep with one of the Yakuza bosses um, to find his kidnapped daughter or something. And he ends up back in Japan and uh, he obviously has a history out there. I, I get the impression that him and the friend that he's helping stayed on after the war. Um, so 
you could say this is uh, a satire or a comment on American imperialism post World War II. Um, again, it didn't fully explore that, but it was certainly there on the surface. And you know, this movie was shot in the 70s, early 70s, so you know, you're still only what. 25 years after the war so that that's still pretty fresh in the mind of folks and uh, people working on that production some of the actors may have even been in the war I don't know maybe Mitchum was a was in the war I don't know I'd have to google that wouldn't I like usual anyway um, this is such a strange marriage of Japanese uh, almost samurai code and the American noir detective noir genre so that's a little strange but it kind of works because he's a fish out of water oh and halfway through what i realized was this is actually an origin story for the gentleman who gets assassinated by hans gruber in die hard uh the guy who runs the company at the nakatomi building James something and um, he's a very young man in this movie and I thought I recognize that guy he had a moustache and glasses uh, and he's in the traditional Japanese get up with the robe and the, the slippers um, but he's uh, sort of a liaison um, character and uh, yeah again just I was distracted because it Obviously, this was an origin story for that character from Die Hard, so it's nice to understand where he originated. And I mean, I feel sorry for the guy, you know, getting killed on camera is just a horrible way to go. Um, and I, I don't know if Rickman ever got charged with that murder, but I guess we'll never know because he's not here anymore, is he? Um, so the Yakuza, Mitchum. This sort of lazy oaf guy, uh, just not really doing a lot in this film, trying to find this daughter of his friends, and ends up getting in a bit deeper than he planned for. There's this hilarious scene towards the beginning. So Mitchum's character has a younger assistant. Uh, accompanying him to Japan and this is the classic you know uh, the Charlie Sheen role out of the rookie with Clint Eastwood um, or the Ethan Hawke role out of Training Day you know it's the young green sidekick who doesn't fully understand the culture of where he is and also the back history of the characters so he's trigger happy and also falls in love with, I think it's the daughter that they do find. He, you know, movie magic, he falls in love and they're planning their wedding within three minutes of meeting each other. It doesn't happen like that. It takes about 10 minutes in real life. Um, and uh, he walks into Robert Mitchum's friend's house. It's like a beautiful house, by the way. Japanese. Um, I don't know what the, the name of a Japanese house is, but it's in that style. And 
and there is an ungodly amount of weaponry on the wall. It's literally an entire wall of guns and swords. And obviously this young guy is drawn to that and uh, I'm, I'm sat there thinking, because I'm a smart movie critic, uh, this is this is a Chekhov's gun moment, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And he picks up one of those guns, doesn't he? And I'm like, yep, yeah, that's going to come back and haunt him or will be used in the... I'm just checking Wikipedia on this. That will be used in the third act. And lo and behold, those guns are used in the third act, aren't they? Um, and he gets... He dies. He actually dies at the hand of... Well, guns don't have hands, but he dies at the hand of a gentleman holding one of the guns. He shoots him with that gun, and uh, he dies. So, you know, I guess he didn't have a very good outcome there, and the daughter's obviously distraught because they were ba basically she was pregnant, six months pregnant by that time. He had quite a potent manlyhood, and um, yeah, they get whacked, and then Mitchum's like, right, I've had enough. He speaks to the uh, the diehard guy and arranges to go and wipe out the Yakuza bosses. And this is the best, my favourite part of the movie. Uh, very Peckinpah-esque and lots of slow-mo. And Mitchum, to his credit, you know, I don't know how old he is in this movie. He's greying. He looks overweight by probably about 50 pounds. Um, and again... He's a big, big guy. You don't realise how big Robert Mitchum is. Uh, he's a big, oafy chap. And he is pretty handy with the old samurai sword. Um, and, oh, that's right. Someone he's, like, his sidekick, who he also screwed his wife after the war. So there's a history, but because of the sort of samurai code, this guy has to help him out of honour, but because his friend gets killed, he then chops his finger off. Um, I don't think that's called seppuku, but there's something, you know, this, you know, pound of flesh idea, part of the Yakuza code. So he chops his finger off, and then Mitchum, this entire story, it turns out, Mitchum is atoning for his sins of perhaps he did stuff after the war we aren't sure he certainly hooked up with that guy's wife um, and it might have even been his daughter I'm not sure but uh, he ends up chopping off one of his fingers in order to atone for his quote-unquote sins his wrongdoings and I think he now makes peace with that friend who helped him. Um, that's a Yakuza. But that final scene where Mitchum basically goes badass and wipes out probably six or seven Yakuza single-handedly is fantastic. Uh, it's a really gritty 70s action scene and there's a sword involved. And he does a great job. I believed he has killed men with a prop sword. Anyway, that's a Yakuza. Uh, it wasn't as good as I hoped, but it was enjoyable. Paul Schrader wrote it, which I thought was interesting, um, because it's not one of his best scripts, and it's not 
immediately recognisable as a Shredo. Um, there isn't a great deal of uh, transcendence other than it being set in Japan. And I think there are a few nods to the Ozus of the world being Schrader was obsessed and even wrote essays on that chat. David, if you're listening, I know you haven't listened to that episode of the other podcast I sent you where Schrader's interviewed um, by the DGA. I urge you to listen to that. Otherwise, we're probably going to fall out as friends and I won't have you back on your own podcast. That was Movie Pipe. Stay tuned for the next one.